Welcome to the Houdini RC Heli podcast, episode 14. Today's date is 9-13-2020. Today with us is Brent and Kenny, and we have a show guest, Danny Melnick. Say hi. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. How's it going, guys? Today, Carrie's probably driving back from an event, so he probably won't be available, but if he jumps in later on, we'll let him in, but most likely he's... Uh, driving down the road for the most part my week has been decent work has been good been busy nothing major going on but the weather here in texas has gotten a little cooler the heat has let up just a little bit so kind of feeling like fall again for some reason but i think i think that i'm pretty sure it's going to get hot again pretty soon so other than that that's what i've been doing Jeez, i gotta turn this off <laughs> That was my fault, by the way. I normally don't. I normally don't have my ringer on, but uh, I fixed that. Britt, how's uh, school been? Uh, about the same. We have parent-teacher conferences next week, so that should be interesting. All on uh, Google Meets. So we'll see how that goes. And it looks like we're online until October nineteenth, and then the parents will have a choice to either send them back in a hybrid model, which would be like A and B groups. So like A group would come on Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Thursday, and then B group on Tuesday, Friday, and then everybody's remote on Wednesdays to start getting them back in the classroom. But I'm ready. I'm ready for them to come back. I'm, it's, I'm getting annoyed with the technology and lots of kids aren't doing work. So it's, it's getting harder and harder, and worse and worse as the weeks go on. So, you know, something interesting, my daughter-in-law, one of her children got kicked out of a online session, virtual session. mm -hmm. And the teacher, the only way that she could get it back is apparently she has to kill the whole virtual teaching session and then bring everybody back in. Yeah, I had one. Well, are like, you know, PE teacher and library teacher, they have their own Google Meets. So like the kids in my class in the morning, first thing they go to whatever special we have. So they were coming on to mine and I would tell them, you know, go to that one. So I would drop them out of mine so that they would go into the other one and then they couldn't get back in the mine. I had that issue, I think on Tuesday when we got back to school after Labor Day. Um, I actually had to send the kids an email invite to get, have them get back in. I didn't know I had to do that. So well, I know that my daughter-in-law, she is having all kinds of problems with her kids. Cause she has to be there for every single one of their classes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just see like, especially the kids who are going to like YMCA or, you know, childcare, they're just not even in front of their computer at all. They're just, Around, running around playing and and they're not getting anything out of it so like i said i'm so ready to get back awesome carrie carrie like carrie's on the show kenny <laughs> you trying to replace me already <laughs> i need to wake up <laughs> uh, life same old same old i i don't have any kids of course i mean i've got kids but they don't live at the house any longer and been doing my thing, went to the beach last weekend, test drove a boat. There's a boat dealer in Palacios, Texas, 
that uh, I've been talking to quite a bit. So they loaned me a boat for the weekend. My wife got to go out to into the bay with me and go fishing. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, this Richard is correct. Texas heat is, has uh, gone south for a little while. It was really nice this yesterday out in the out at the field. I'm sporting a infection in a uh, root canal that I had done, so that that's not too much fun. Oh, so I get to go do that thing that Richard went and did. Oh the, yeah, that's yes. right. I gave it to Kenny. <laughs> no, hang on now, hang on. That just sounds wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad my I'm glad I'm done with my teeth stuff. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, that's me. Went flying. You know, I've been flying anyway. It's uh, things seem to be normal. Cooler weather weather is certainly inviting. I hope it doesn't get hot uh, anytime soon. But like Richard said, it probably will. It will eventually. It's Texas. It'll get cold, and then all of a sudden get hot again. Same thing here. <laughs> And today on the show, we have a guest. His name is Denny Melnick. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> um, hey, Danny, how's it going? Oh, not too bad here. Hot, humid Florida. No, you're down. Are you deep in Florida or is just barely in the... We're, uh, we're on the East Coast, uh, what they call the Space Coast. We're about 30 miles south of the Space Center. Yeah, you're deep deep down in Florida. <laughs> hey, Danny, I have a question for you. Sure. Being that close to the Space Center, whenever they launch, can you do you hear it, feel it, see it? Uh, D, all of the above. D, all of the above. Yes. Depending on how, what the weather conditions, where the wind is going, and how cool it is. So, if it's a cool day and the wind is, you know, kind of you know, out of the, the Northeast, especially, then the sound carries really well. And you can definitely hear the rumbling, even the Falcon 9s. The, uh, the Falcon Heavy, the big atlases will actually kind of still somewhat rattle the windows a little bit, you know, slightly vibration. Wow. Back in the shuttle days, it would definitely rattle the windows. And the most recent Falcon launch, uh, SpaceX launch, they launched on a southerly trajectory, and then they brought the booster back in, and the booster came in, you know, pretty much, you know, across the coast, and the sonic boom was pretty good. I mean, it definitely rattled the windows. Uh, it was pretty awesome, so. Oh, awesome. And all that is viewable out my, out my back door, so. They don't charge you anymore for that? <laughs> it's probably factored into my taxes someplace. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, Danny, obviously your name is Danny Melnick and you live in Florida. Can you tell us what you do for a living? I'm a partner, uh, owner in AeroPanda. We're an online web shop for radio control stuff. Primarily focused on, on turbine aircraft, but we also import and distribute the Soxis line of helicopters from Heli Professional, and I'm a, I'm a long-time helicopter guy. Um, it's what was my primary focus in the hobby for, for many decades. So. 
when you say long term, when did you start flying? Radio control in general, when I was about 12 or so. So we're talking about maybe 1972. Um, wow. So I, I've been at this for a while. And, you know, probably a lot of control lines from like 1970 through the through the, the mid-70s or so. Uh, my first radio control system was an old ACE pulse, single-channel pulse system that one of the local RC guys that was kind of mentoring my, a friend of mine and, and myself uh, kind of gave us in exchange for, for doing his lawns. We were able to, to, to successfully get some stuff around. You know, we, we flew these little kind of quasi free flight models on single channel RC. We call them cow pies because we flew from a cow pasture. I forget what the actual name of the airplane design was, but we, uh, they were all, scratch built built from plans and then you know my friend and i at the time uh, you know we we just kept modifying them as needed wanted and so forth and probably about 76 or 77 my friend steve and i mowed a lot yards to uh to save up and buy our first real radio control system which was made by a company called ProLine, which is long gone. I've been flying ever since. Yeah, that, that's impressive. I'm impressively old. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not, not, not at all. I mean, you just don't meet any very many people that have stuck in with the hobby. Yeah, well, I, 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 I'm an enthusiast. That doesn't necessarily mean I have much common sense, so... <laughs> I consider myself, uh, I'm a lifelong aviation and model airplane, model aviation nut. So it's just what I do. You know, it's funny, a lot of people decry the, the lack of young kids in the hobby today, but I don't really think it was any different back then. Um, oh, really? My friend Steve and I threw out junior high school, uh, you know, we were members of the local model airplane club, but they were all antiques um, like I am now. So <laughs> there were, there were very few young, I, well, from what I remember, we seem to be the only kids involved. Um, and for certain, I'm, I'm certain that my friend Steve and I were, were the only two kids in our junior high and even our high school that played with model airplanes um, at the time. So I don't think that aspect is really much different. To today than that i remember in 70 probably 74 75 time frame i was playing around with you control airplanes uh, my father bought me a mustang if I, no it was a spitfire a little cox uh, spitfire it's a long time ago of course that he's the one that actually got me into this although he's never been in the hobby himself yeah we flew control line for years control line slow combat control line stunt you know i was lucky that there were a couple model airplane guys there was one gentleman who was a middle-aged gentleman and a very avid control very gifted control line builder and flyer we had another couple guys that were into 
radio control that were into pylon racing. The local club was a very pylon racing focused. So we did that and got involved in that and, uh, you know, learned how to repitch props and tune props and engines for, for uh, pylon racing and um, got involved in that a little bit up until the late 70s. And I took a detour and got my first radio control helicopter and then the pylon guys didn't want to talk to me much anymore. So they'd all, they'd all thought that they'd all thought that I just completely gone off my rocker. I'm sure. So probably thought I was on drugs, you know, so teenage, teenage kid on drugs. It's gotta be the reason he's playing with helicopters. So. Yeah. In 82, 83 timeframe, I was into airplanes and I, started talking about helicopters that I wanted to learn how to fly a helicopter. And, and I remember the hobby shop owner and says, you don't want to do that. I said, well, actually, yes, I do. And he said, no, he said, if you want to do that, he said, then get yourself a checkerboard, put some walls around it and number everything, put a ball bearing in there and try to control the ball bearing. I'm thinking to myself, well, that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, they actually used to sell a, balance board like that which you would hook the cyclics up to i always wanted to have one of those i never did that i mean i've been in rc hobbies a long time you know but i've i didn't do that i didn't get into helicopters myself until much later i mean i i started with a gmp cricket which i bought used from another modeler who had tried it and given up Mm -hmm. um I, I must have crashed that little helicopter. I mean, this was 79 or, or so. And I, I crashed that helicopter literally every day for weeks and weeks um, <laughs> until I made my first successful hover. It got to the point where the local hobby shop, I, I would I would go out to fly at lunch on my lunch break. I was working on my first job at the time and I'd go and I'd fly at lunch. I'd basically not fly. I would crash. Then I would go buy the local hobby shop on my way home from work, buy the parts I needed, fix it the next day and repeat. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the cricket at all, but it was a fixed pitch helicopter used a, used an OS 28 as the engine, no gyros, no FBL systems, no collective pitch. Not much of a cooling system either. The cooling system was a heat sink head and running the engine rich. Nobody around me knew how to fly them. I didn't really know much. I was a pretty <laughs> confident kid at the time and couldn't be really told much. Turned out I was missing a crucial part to the rotor head. Oh, no. And that was something called a teeter spring. So you guys are probably familiar with dampening. And yes. you know what happens when the dampeners, mm-hmm. you know, get wore out in the helicopters is, is it doesn't fly too well. Imagine flying one with a fully teetering rotor head that had no dampening at all. Uh, and that's what I was trying to do. The teeter spring on a cricket was a 16th inch diameter piece of music wire. Because of vibration and it working back and forth, it would break. And I didn't have the manual for it because i'd bought it and it used and it didn't come with a manual so you didn't know um, you were missing it i didn't know i was missing it and one day just after weeks of doing this 
the guy at the hobby shop just said, wait, he said, bring that thing in here. And then, so I, I brought it in and he looked at my parts and he said, well, there's no teeter wire in it. And I was like, huh? And so he, he grabbed a piece of 16th inch music wire and cut off about a two inch long piece and loosened the set screw and slid it in place. And I went out the next day and I hovered the entire tank out. <laughs> And it was just a revelation, but it was a lot of fun, you know, and I, I, I don't remember ever being frustrated. I, I remember it being very challenging and, and fun. And I, there were a group of guys and that would get together. Uh, we, we'd go in a lit parking lot every Thursday night um, in, a, in a part of town. And there'd be a half dozen to, a, you know, 10 guys there and, We'd all be sitting there hovering under the lights and, and all we ever did was hover. Nobody was flying forward flight at the time and lots of people were crashing and we were trying to learn how to fly nose in and, and nobody knew what the heck they were doing, but we all had a blast. So that's, that's awesome. That's the beginnings of my helicopter stuff. So were you able to just buy blades for this or did you, I mean, people been making blades uh, from that era. Well, you bought, so you bought the pre, you know, they were, you know, airfoil shaped pieces of wood, <laughs> but you had to finish them in, in the, as far as the cricket was concerned, for what I remember, you, you bought the pieces of wood and there were three holes pre-drilled in it. Um, they bolted together with some, some M3, like three sets of, uh, M3 bolts and were sandwiched with a piece of spring steel and then bolted to the rotor head. And then you set your blade pitch. You took a pair of uh, adjustable wrenches and just grabbed hold of it and twisted it to get the blade pitch set the way you needed it and, and all that and ran it up and kind of listened for the right RPM and <laughs> track the blades. And if one was high, you just stop it and decrease the, pitch on that blade a little bit if it was lugging down or increase it if it was revving up and you know that's how it was done yeah i haven't dealt with wood blades in a long time awesome yeah i mean we you know that was that was routine even even you know the, the, the my follow-on helicopter which i bought again used from the same individual was a schluter heli boy um this is about 81 or so you know, it had collective pitch and it had a kind of a crude mechanical tail compensator on it to help you with the, with the tail. Uh, Super Tiger Bluehead 61 running KMB 500 fuel. That was the setup. So, and so that one was, nice. you know, probably about a 550 or so size machine today, um, 60 powered. Those engines probably had about half the power of a of an equivalent sixty today. So we're talking probably one quarter of the power of an of a you know OS current generation helicopter engine. But it's what we had, and like I said before, we didn't know what the heck we were doing, but we sure had a lot of fun. So, so did you ever have a light? Uh, the the brand light L I T E uh, one ten nitro. Yeah, I did, but never got it to fly. Um, it was uh, built around the Cox engine originally. Then I think they went to a different engine, but I was out of it by then. Uh, but I, I never did get it. 
I, I acquired one and never did really get it to, to fly right. So That was my first one. Did you get it to fly? I did, and it flew out across the highway. <laughs> I-35 so I, to be exact. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I should back up a little bit because the, the first helicopter I ever had technically was in 75. It belonged to my dad. Um, but that was a Schluter Heli Baby, which was a 40-size fixed-pitch helicopter at the time. But I, I can't really count it as, you know, too much. I was 15 years old at the time. We built it. I remember having to cut the plywood servo trays out of, it was probably three-millimeter plywood, birch plywood at the time. There was just printing on it. And I didn't have a... I literally, all I had was an X-Acto knife. And so I literally scribed dozens and dozens wow. of times over the line until I got it to break loose and then finished it off with some sandpaper um, and stuff. That one, when, when we could get it to start, which was a rarity, um, <laughs> all it ever did was spin up, shake itself, like crazy and chase us around the parking lot. I, I can't really count that as flying. Um, we, we knew absolutely zero at that point and it, it didn't last long. You know, I mean, we, we did maybe a dozen attempts and <laughs> after hitting one of the light poles, probably for the fifth time, it was finally damaged to the point where it, we just gave it up and went back to flying fixed wing for a while. Now, if you if you think about the the era, and I mean nobody really knowing a whole lot about it, about the hobby in general, and then compare that to where we are. It, first off, I really appreciate the experience level that you have. I mean, it's just amazing. It really is. Nowadays, you know, somebody gets on a sim. Uh, I'm going to use somebody who's younger. They get on a sim and they practice for a week or two three whatever it is and they go out there and and they fly like they've been flying oh yeah you know for two years and me it takes 20 years just to be able to get to where i'm at right now yeah and so it's pretty amazing i mean it it, it is you know first off to me it's a miracle any of this works um so um but everything today pretty much just works and back in the day which to me hearing that sounds ridiculous but back in the day if you moved the cyclic too aggressively it would blow a link and that was the end of your flying for the day we learned to be smooth and gentle not push the mechanics too hard not push the engines too hard and that kind of stuck with me. I was very heavy into the hobby in general, pretty much consumed me completely. I have pretty much everything that I am today, I can, can attribute that to being involved in the hobby. I even met my wife, Laura, through the hobby. So That's awesome. She, was, she, she, she flew model helicopters at the time. She won the AMA Nats one year in a in the novice class. Impressive. I, I think I've lived the entire arc that the hobby has to offer. 
um, it's a it's it's a pretty cool pretty cool pastime. Well, have you ever been on a podcast? I think once before. I think maybe once before, but honestly, I can't remember which one. So that's funny. It's probably the RC Today show, but who knows? Well, Danny, can you tell us a little bit about what Aero Panda is and your association with Bavarian Demon and the Heli Professionals? Sure, sure. So I, uh, so in about 2008, late 2008, I was working as an engineer for NCR, NCR Corporation. Decided I needed a change, and uh, I had a friend of mine locally who had a hobby business and needed somebody to help with helicopters. So we kind of made a deal, and that business was a spree model, it's still oh, wow. around. Um, and uh, so I went to work for ZB at a spree in late 2008. Things were going quite well. The economy was booming. And then we all know what happened in like 2009. Um, so when the bottom fell out and, and everybody was panicking and stuff, I just couldn't afford, ZB couldn't afford to pay me uh, what I needed to pay my own bills. And so, you know, we made a deal and I kind of went to work. I went on part-time with them and I started looking for some other things to do. And I had made the Urcha Jamboree and made the acquaintance of a person who's now a very dear friend of mine, Joachim Ulefeld from, from Captron Electronics. And so I started distributing for them um, what was known as Heli Command at the time. I mean, we've been doing this ever since, so quite some time. <laughs> Heli Command was rebranded Bavarian Demon in 2012. The Bavarian Demon name came it was necessary to get away from the heli command because we intended to do fixed wing systems as well. So they, they came up with Bavarian Demon. And, uh, and so we've been doing the Bavarian Demon ever, ever since. So. I, have, I have a quick question for you. Um, this has been brought up in the past, but I don't know if I ever got hundred <laughs> percent answers. Do you know who came first? As far as, as heli command or V bar or what was the first fly bar list like officially on the market? So, from my recollection, it was V bar, and we played with some of the very very early systems. They actually had pitot tubes that faced front and rear, um, so that it could sense whether the helicopter was flying forward or backwards. They were stupidly expensive at the time you know i mean we're talking like in 2008 at the thousand dollars for a v-bar system um you know and quite honestly they flew terrible and we destroyed a lot of helicopters learning them but but they 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 quickly developed and they kept getting better and better obviously you know look where they're at now but i i i do believe v-bar was the first there there's another system that came out that started to come about um, very shortly after V-Bar is very little known. And that was actually 3Digi, which, uh, which Aero Panda also distributes. 3Digi is the brainchild of a gentleman named Dirk Schmidt. Um, he's German. Wow. And Dirk saw what was happening with V-Bar and saw one demonstrated and went home and said, hey, I can do that. And so just on his own. 
he started to develop his own system and it went through many iterations was primarily as a uh, kind of a do-it-yourself kit and Dirk would he made some boards and you populated your own board and Dirk did the firmware and you loaded the firmware and nice. you could build your own case and this is kind of where it was until about four or five years ago they made a Dirk made a deal with a gentleman who had a company called Lar2 Prototyping put the three digi in actual production so that people could buy it as a finished product and we still have that product available today so. wow and that product has come quite a ways if i if i'm correct yeah quite a bit and and dirk is still there supporting it and he, he's not active so much these days the firmware is pretty mature on it it's a neat system it's it's got its own little following so all right, sorry to derail you there <laughs> with the V-bar question, but back on track. You're going over Aeropanda and Bavarian Demon? Yeah, so after doing the, the Bavarian Demon thing for a while, you know, I have a very dear friend of mine, Manny Rodriguez. His nickname is Panda. Anybody that has seen him will know why. Manny also had come to work at Esprit. I left Esprit in 2014 but continued to do work on a consulting basis with them. I managed the FCC certification program for them for the Jetty Radio line. So that, that was my professional background when I worked for NCR Corporation was product certification. Wow. It, was, it was a good skill to have. I know how to do that. And I continue to do that, you know, even today. But, you know, in 2014, I went, you know, more or less my separate ways, concentrated on Bavarian Demon and importing some other stuff. We were the original distributors for the Exnova Motors, originally Xera, then when they changed their brand to Exnova. So we, we did that. We added dry fluids to it. Things were going along pretty well. My friend Manny was looking for some, some other things to do and, you know, talked all the time about, you know, kind of doing a company together. Talked about it for years and, uh, you know, about, I guess it's been about really four years ago is when we decided, okay, we're going to do this. Needed a name and just, I looked at him and just Arrow Panda came to it. You know, we had a, nice. somebody do a logo for us and, and we started with that. Basically working out of each other's homes. <laughs> selling jetty radios and Bavarian demon product and dry fluid and X Nova and anything else we could get our hands on had both taken an interest into turbine aircraft. Manny took a position as the U S representative for a company named jet central who they manufacture turbine engines in Mexico city. He became their U S representative, started doing engine service again, working out of his house. We just kept everything growing, 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 built the website up, moved into its, uh, a real brick-and-mortar facility pretty much a year ago. We've been into that. So we're now all under one roof. We've had very good good year-over-year -year sales. We're, we're growing pretty rapidly. Of course, it's easy to do that when you start from zero. Um, <laughs> and this is what we do. So... You know, again, like I said in the beginning, we're, we're primarily focused in the turbine world because just to be brutally honest, that's where the money is in the industry. The, the hobby industry as a whole is in 
not so great shape. Model helicopters, probably some of the worst part of it. It's no secret about that. So we go where the money is, and that's with the turbines. You should um, buy a tur turbine, Kenny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Danny and I have talked about that. I mean, but He has it's... an ultimate 2.0. It looks like it's perfect for you. Uh, right. Even though we're, you know, the, both of us are kind of more focused on the fixed wing turbine side, we've, we've never lost our passion for helicopters. And because of that, opportunity arose to pick up the Soxus line from Heli Professional. We had actually, I had actually taken a look at that originally back in 2014. I went over to Switzerland. I met with, uh, with, with Alex Kuhn, who is the owner of, of Heli Professional. We talked a lot. I brought, got some machines. We flew it. I gave it to some of my pilots. We flew it. And again, just to be honest, they, they just weren't quite ready. And it was a huge gamble. I could see where sales on helicopters in general were kind of headed. And, and so I decided, well, you know, we'll, we'll pass on this. Fast forward a little bit, 2017, Alex had come over to the uh, Orlando heli event uh, along with a couple of his team pilots and we started the conversation again and <laughs> and so we made the decision okay let's let's do this let's get it done and and let's do this and and so we we picked up the line and we've been selling it ever since so. now are you guys the only dealers for Soxos now so we are the US distributor for heli professional there's another shop up in Canada who brings it in for the Canadian market. Um, I forget, I, he's in Western Canada and I just, forgive me, I forget his name. We, Aeropanda is a dealer. Heli Direct picked up the line as a dealer. Honestly, I don't know, I don't know how much longer they'll keep it. The, the Soxus line is a line that kind of runs you know, somewhat under the radar. They're very nicely made machines. They have a very loyal following amongst those who like them, but they're, 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 they're not a, they're not an SAB or a Synergy or a Galley or even a miniature aircraft or, or XL power. Um, so they're, they're a lesser known brand just to be again, honest and frank. We don't really, uh, it's a very small market and we don't really have a ton of resources to go out there and go to every event and try and push and give things away and, you know, have a large team and, and support all of that. And so it, the sales are, are okay, but not spectacular. That being said, we have a commitment to the brand, Alex, the owner of Heli Professional is very committed to it. He continues to, to keep developing it. You know, for lack of a better expression, we kind of, we know our place in the market and we're comfortable with that. And as I said, we, amongst the people that, that like us, we have a very loyal following and we're good with that. And we'll, we'll keep at it and we'll slowly improve things and, and so forth. Keep hammering away, hopefully get a few more machines out there and maybe one day you go to an event and somebody actually has one or two. So <laughs> do you guys have a team for Soxos? Um no. Um we we started out kind of wanting one and 
we uh, had some conversations with a good friend of mine about being a team manager and getting some, uh, you know, pilots going. This was pretty much last year. He has had gone through a few life challenges and respectively, respectfully uh, resigned from that position. But, you know, honestly, you know, looking at where the world is and everything, events and all that, there's been no reason to, to really ramp it up again. We are interested in supporting people, not so much as a team, but we would like to build up a network of pilots who know the brand and can help people with it. Not looking for the world's greatest 3D phenom. Quite frankly, we seek to avoid those types. Nothing against them. They have their place. There's some phenomenally gifted pilots out there. We just don't need the egos. I've been through that before with other things. Um, got a pretty sour taste in my mouth. Just simply don't want to go there. There's people who are, uh, you know, out there just at their local clubs or they go to their local events and they're very enthusiastic and they, they'll go out of their way to help people and they get a lot of enjoyment out of the, their own hobby. And they're very competent people within the hobby. And those are the kind of people we like. So there is an interest on our part. If there's an interest on somebody else's part, we are not in a position to fully sponsor anybody, but we can, we can help out with, you know, we can help out with things where we can. Well, I don't think that there's really, I don't know if teams get fully sponsored like they did back in, the day if you will when i say in the day five six years yeah. ago really I, I think that time has yeah, changed. you know really the thing is, is a little bit of a tangent but as i said before you know i i have a bit of a sour taste in my mouth from the whole team slash rep thing it pretty much contributed to the demise of rc helicopters is my thought as uh i can remember in 2014, 15, 16, going to events and people would come up to me and they would introduce themselves as uh, I'm such and such and I'm sponsored by this and I'm sponsored by this person and that person and I'd like to know my price on this motor. And I would just say, well, the price is here and we're doing a 10%, <laughs> you know, show special and and that was it. And and it was just person after person after person. And oh, really? Wow. As event participation started to wane over the past few years, it pretty much got to the point where we'd show up and everybody was a rep for this or a rep for that. That in itself led to some rather extreme polarization. It, just my opinion here, what happened was the the team rep, program and pilot program amongst the manufacturers pretty much turned into a customer loyalty program. There were so many people who were, quote, on the deal, it seemed, buying direct from the manufacturer or the distributor, cutting out the dealers. They were buying at dealer cost. I just think it got away from itself and it helped with the downturn. I'd be very happy to see that go away. Maybe some people might take that the wrong way. I don't have anything against somebody for, you know, wanting to be sponsored and stuff. There, there are people who that's part of their hobby. They just kind of need to be on the team. 
to be, you know, to put the shirt on, to wear the hat. See, that's exactly to, why I quit. <laughs> to, to, to hang out with, with, with a group of guys and you're all talking the same language mm -hmm. and stuff. I, I get that. I, in a, in a early part of my helicopter hobby, I was that was the, in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, I was the, fully sponsored band. factory pilot you know i got helicopters i got engines i got radio systems they paid for my travel i went to to the uk multiple oh. times for to to do demos and things so i and i understand that and it all went to my head too and i had a swelled head and <laughs> and i probably you know upset too many people and, and so forth and it it ruined the hobby for me and it became less of a hobby and it led to myself being one day being completely burned out and, and dropping out of it for, for nearly eight years. Um, so the, I don't like the whole team rep thing, not in it's not in what it became much prefer to help some people out who in turn will, will kind of help people out at their own field. I don't care what brand helicopter you fly. One thing that was always important and that we always pushed on the pilots that we, that we did support was that the expectation was that you, if somebody needed help, that you give them help as best you can, no matter what brand, helicopter, fly system, whatever. And I just think that's the right way of going about it. The, the goal has to be to nurture and grow the hobby. Because without that, the hobby dies, quite simply. I think it got away from itself. I think it's coming back. It's definitely getting back to the point where not every single pilot out there is sponsored. I, I believe it's definitely changed yeah, since yeah. 2015. Well, I mean, the, ec the economics of it dictate that, too, to a large extent. The companies simply can't afford. I remember going to Urcha and, with, and Alan Zabo, driving up in a rented Lambo, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. that just does not, it, it will <laughs> never happen again. in in my lifetime, it was pretty cool while it was happening. Um, it was neat and exciting yeah. and all that, but no company has the resources to do that anymore. It's, it's just, it's silly. You know, so. Well, I have to agree that the, some of these teams have just become massive. And then the, the teams actually become the customers. Yeah, and, and that, that's what happens. You build a group of guys and they become your prime customers, especially as the hobby shrink. Then you end up in a situation where you, you don't really have any dealers because you've squeezed the dealers completely out of the uh, chain. It becomes a vicious cycle. As I said before, it contributed to the decline, got out of control. But it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's coming back now. I see more people, uh, you know, the, the guys I see who post online and the Facebook groups and so forth and talk about things and, and all that. They're, they're, they're in, in it. They're enthusiasts like me. They're in it for the fun, number one. And that's a, that's a healthy thing. Absolutely. I remember... When I've, whenever I flew for Curtis, uh, which was 2007 to 2015, which was right before he got out of it, 
that was one of the things that we did is we went to the field and, and we flew, we helped people. That was something that, that Curtis, whenever I first, when he first met me, I was flying a Thunder Tiger Raptor 50, like everybody else, very popular model back in the day and OS 50. And I didn't know anything about tuning and he came over there and he would sit down with me and he would look at my model he would go out and test fly it he'd tell me to fly it and so that impressed upon me you know a value that you just didn't see all the time if i can do that now that's what i try to do that's the attempt you were quite lucky to be able to hang out with curtis oh absolutely <laughs> i i started flying at contests with him many years before he was old enough to drive so he and his dad Dave <laughs> they they were a bit of a particular pair but they were fiercely independent they were very very they they tested and tested and tested more than anybody else I had met they backed up all of their theories and set up methods and stuff with results and I, I watched Curtis progress pretty rapidly and ultimately, you know, become one of the most gifted engineers I think I've ever met. I mean, I, I don't know really what he's doing these days. He seems to have kind of fallen off the radar. I hope, I hope to God everything's well with him and his family. So it's just really, really good individuals. We saw him last year. Everything was going well for him. I know that his, his business, which is, uh, you know, he goes out and he videos landscapes and highline wires and a lot of technical stuff that and i know that part of the design efforts on on the the equipment that he's using but i remember when the stingray was in development and me and and, and another brother buddy of mine we built stingrays with his guidance, his directions on what we were to do. And then uh, working with Dave, as far as the flight control systems, which was built from scratch with a 3D printed case around the uh, circuit board and going out there and, and testing the models, hovering the models uh, for the very first time, getting, you know, when we were getting them in the air to, all the way to the point of where we actually saw them come in a package and being sold. That was probably the neatest thing that I had ever done with, with uh, Curtis and Dave. That's pretty cool. You know, and, and with me, it was just mainly feedback, you know, cause they're the engineers. Uh, I was just a pilot, but to be out there with him, to fly with him occasionally just one-on-one, -on -one, I'd go out to the, out to the ranch and then Curtis and I went out there and we test flew models. Yeah. Well, just a little, just a little lucky there. Just a little jealous. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. I, I, I admit that that's why it's just, I love the opportunity to sit here and talk to you. Just somebody who's been there. I appreciate it, Kenny. I appreciate it, Kenny. Uh, <laughs> you're very welcome, Richard. <laughs> uh, you know, last year when I was talking to Dave, uh, Dave was talking about some of the older models and the radios that they still have. And, God. 
and I guess, you know, in his hobby room, whatever it is at his house, he's got all this stuff. And he invited me to go out there and look at it uh, one day. And, and I hope to God that one day I get to go out there and do yeah. that. That'd be There's awesome. no way he has more radios than you. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, it's taken me a while to get to the radio that I use faithfully. This is the only radio I have now that I use, which is the Jetty. Jetty. Well, I have a question for you, Danny. We went over who 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 you are and Aero Panda Bavaria Demon. I, I wanted to go over the Saxos line. Do you have any issues like the rest of the world right now with part support? And because I know a lot of companies are having issues currently. Yeah, parts uh, parts haven't really been a problem. Soxus is designed, you know, the company's based in Switzerland. Alex and his group do all the design work. The parts are manufactured in Asia, um, not one specific country. You know, they, they have a, their parts supply chain is from that region of the world. They haven't really had too much of a problem. You know, a couple of components became long lead time, but it didn't really affect things you know one of the advantages of not being the world's most popular helicopter <laughs> we went uh, a little bit a spell where we were kind of lean on kits for a while the lead time on kits you know stretched out to about three weeks or so that's not too bad but it hasn't been bad i mean pretty much we have everything on hand all the time it, it hasn't really been too bad so i mean alex has been pretty been pretty good at keeping ahead of the curve i think as far as the supply chain is concerned that's great it hasn't been that bad i mean it's it's uh you know we we recently they released a a a tail upgrade kit for the strike seven that that took a couple months longer than than because of the lead time issue um with with getting new parts made and uh, that was probably the most affected component there are some other developments that would have wanted to release this year but you know with everything that's happened that's just been pushed off into next year but i i think in general we're we're doing fine you know whereas from a helicopter supply standpoint i think we're as healthy as anybody parts no problem yep so i have a question soxos the strike seven that's your your i'm not going to say claim to fame but that's the model that's been in the lights for the last year or so yes yeah correct? yeah it's uh the strike seven represents i would say it's the third generation of the soxus line uh you had the original models 550 600 700 and an 800 that were released in 2013 2014 then there was a period of time where duncan bosian was was a team pilot the development of that was the DB7, which was the, his signature helicopter. That relationship ended after uh, a couple years, and Alex decided to to do the strike. I mean, I mean, helicopter sales in general had to hit the point, and the DB7 was not popular at all because it was really expensive. It it was, uh, I mean, the DB7 retailed and still retails. For, for 989 without blades or electronics. That's right up there with the premium brand helicopters. 
it, it never had a hope or a prayer of competing. And the sales weren't really all that great. I had actually contacted Alex at the end of 2018 and said, hey, you know, sales aren't so great. Um, if you want to find somebody else, I understand. I was expecting him to either go away completely or find somebody else over here. His reply was, wait, 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 you know, let me show you something. He showed me some of the preliminary stuff on the, what became the strike. Nice. It was, I was very impressed um, at his commitment. You know, the, the DB7 just was not a good thing. Flew great, just not the name brand. And even with Duncan pushing it, it just wasn't going to happen. I was, I mean, Manny and I were, we were ready to just, okay, it's just not going to happen. It stings a little bit. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Alex was so enthusiastic. Manny and I looked at each other and we we're like, well, we just can't walk away from this now. So I'm glad you guys didn't. And that's, that's really the way it's been, you know, with, with Alex yeah. and us, um, Aeropanda, Soxis, Heli Professional. We're, we're friends and business partners. We, we like to think that we have each other's back. Um, Alex has been very supportive of us and, and we've tried to do everything we can to, to support him and his stuff. So we, we made the decision to stick with it. And, you know, we sold quite a few strike sevens and, you know, we, we had a, you know, really, really super low intro price. Yeah, y'all did. I, kits, I remember that. Yeah, kits were a little late coming out, and a couple feathers were ruffled because of that. But everybody got their stuff and and uh, got it at a really mm -hmm. good price. And we've sold quite a few since then. And he's uh, he's got the tail upgrade kit for the strike. And there's a uh, more developments on the way for next year. And and it's it's all very encouraging, good. which is. I say this, you know, really, this is a very downward trending market. I think helicopters have kind of somewhat stabilized, but, but the hobby in general is still on a downward trend. And I don't think it's really hit bottom yet, but it's certainly slowed the rate of descent. So, Yeah, I wanted to touch on, on blades a little bit. I know uh, Brent got the, what, what kind of blades are those? Uh, the MS composite, the rapid. Yeah, the rapid blades. blades. Yeah. Um, I've thought about getting a set and just wanted to hear your opinion on those blades or any blades in particular. So I've been a long fan of those blades. You know, everybody has their favorite blades and that just happened to be one of them. And when I needed blades for my, for my strike, I bought those. And then we needed some blades to carry and you know I could have picked up rail blades I could have picked up the switch blades from Bert and so forth but why why should Aeropanda sell that stuff when, it, when the, those guys have it there's no no point in that so because we needed a blade set to combo with the strike if somebody wanted a set of blades we brought in the MS composite um, 700s in the 105 and 115 blades set from them. We really only wanted to support the, the helicopter itself by having 
a set of blades available for somebody that wanted them for, for the helicopter. Um, so we never brought in any, we didn't bring in any of the other sizes. We could, but those blades never were. The great flying blades, for whatever reason, they never really caught on here. Quite popular in Europe with a lot of the guys I know over there, but they never caught on over here. And we just, we kind of decided, we knew Alex was working on his own set of blades, which are the first RC stuff that Kenny, and thank you very much for ordering a set. He, he'll have some soon. Um, Cats out of the bag. We knew Alex was working on his own set of, you know, blade line. Um, and so we just kind of stuck with MS Composite until that started. And we'll keep the MS Composite stuff. We, we got people that like them, including myself. We're, we're focusing now on, on the first RC brand, their blades. Uh, in particular, they also have brought. Who makes those? Uh, well, they're they're a heli professional product. So you know, first okay, first RC is a brand owned by Alex and Heli Professional. So there are the blades. A lot of people might remember the R2 prototyping buffer systems, which we've brought back now under the first RC brand. So they were not available for quite a long time. They were very popular. We, we had guys that had them on back order for almost a year, and they wouldn't let us cancel their back order if there was any hope of getting some more. <laughs> but the supply on that is now good. Alex has taken over that. Um, still manufactured by Linus at what used to be R2 prototyping. So it's the same manufacturer made in Switzerland. Uh, the 3-digi fly barless system now is available under the first RC brand. Again, still manufactured by Linus. Alex has a line of servos under the first brand matched to the helicopter. We don't have those yet, but we will by the end of the year. Uh, and so he's continuing to, to grow that whole line. So. Do you know what that servo brand name is going to be? It's first RC. Oh, it's going to be first. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a there there's a standard size you know there's a a cyclic and tail servo set. There's a, he has a motor that's comboed for the for the 550 the Soxus 550. He's working on a 700 class motor. Nice. Oh, that'd be good. When you say combo, we do a 550 the Soxus 550 combo, which is a complete motor ESC blades servos. Um, no FBL system, but you get everything else. It's a pretty good deal. Eventually, we'll be able to do that for the 600 and for the 700 class helicopters. So, yeah, Alex is pretty committed to this. He's uh, growing the lines, Soxus and First RC. We'll see some some ESCs. I believe the current ones are actually rebranded Hobby Wings, the ones that are are comboed with the 550. Uh, it's a it's a hobby wing platinum, so that's you know it's good stuff. The motors, I'm not sure who is actually making them, and I have no yes. idea who's actually manufacturing the blades. You take them out of the package, and they're nicely finished and nicely balanced, and they they fly quite well. So, so let me ask a question. We've talked about blades. We've talked about helicopters. With the Soxo Strike Seven, what's different about that model from others? Well, I mean, it is a unique design. So first off, the upper frame portion is one CNC aluminum piece. 
there's very few parts in it. The parts count on a strike seven is very low. Uh, so rather than have flat side frames that are held together with bearing blocks and spacers and, and so forth, it's all CNC'd out of a chunk of aluminum. That makes it very lightweight and it's very rigid because of that. The lower frames are carbon plates. They're spaced off of it to get the required width to accommodate the batteries. It also has a very unique tail rotor system in that the tail rotor control system is a torque tube. So the push rod doesn't go back and forth. It's the torque tube goes directly onto the servo and it works the tail linkage, a 90 degree arm directly to the tail slider. So it's very low parts count and very direct and very precise. The tail rotor system is isolated on rubber dampers, so the gearbox doesn't rigidly attach to the tail boom. It's, uh, it floats on rubber dampers, which, which keeps everything nice and quiet and smooth back there. That's odd. It's different. Never seen that. It's a multi-stage transmission. The gears are pretty compact in it. Uh, transmission's pretty smooth. Yeah, yeah. It's very smooth running and it's a unique design. It's, it's not like other designs out there. So. Yeah, it definitely impressed me when I built it, especially the aluminum piece, because I, I was thinking, oh, that's just going to be plastic, you know, hard plastic. But it being aluminum was pretty cool. And that the whole tail mechanism was pretty cool too, just different. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a good part. All the parts are, are well made. It's a, a clever, unique design. Uh, the part quality is very good. You know, it's different. And, yeah. uh, and it, it flies very well. It has a very, very connected feel to it. You know, a lot of machines, sometimes one of the, the hardest things to tune out of a machine is like what I call a, a tail bobble, a bounce, you know, on, on elevator, mm -hmm. on rapid stop, you know, abrupt stops. And a lot of that, some machines are very susceptible to that. And it's very hard to completely tune it out with the FBL system. It has to do with the weight distribution in the machine, I, I think, primarily. And the strike just nailed it. I mean, it's, it, it's very solid on the stops. Very connected feel. Very easy for the FBL system to control and therefore easy to, to get flying nice. That, you know, that's one yeah. thing about the the axon. I've never. It didn't take a whole lot to tune that part. The model just kind of. Now, of course, you helped me with some of the the preliminary settings on that, but the model flew great out of the box. As far as stops, as far as the feel of the, of the uh, FBL system, the the way the model tracked. <laughs> yesterday. I flew it, and yesterday wasn't the best of days for me, but I had one charged battery, and I was going to fly. I could not go home just calling a, you know, a no-fly card. So I flew the model, and I happened, I was doing a big loop, and I lost it in the sun, completely lost the model. And, you know, of course, whenever I looked at the sun, I just had in, ended up having two dots in my eyes and so i'm waiting i just i didn't do anything i just waited for the model to come back out on the other end i didn't change the position of the cyclics i didn't change anything but the model came back out on the other end 
I caught it and I came right back in line and everything was fine after that. But uh, the model does track very well in the air. I'll say that. It's a it's a neat model. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite quite visible in the sky too. The, the canopy is just awesome. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's 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 different. It's very bold looking and and very easy to spot in the sky. Yeah, and I love the um, how it just kind of comes together at the back with magnets, and you know it doesn't have the the canopy studs or anything, so it's very unique. Very different. Nice. So, so I have one more question, Richard. So tap the brakes just a second. So, <laughs> so you sell the strike seven, uh, you represent heli professionals, uh, for, uh, first main blades. So what other models do heli professionals have that you would carry in your store? We are primarily focused on the strike. We have the 550 on our website, the 550 and the 600s on our website, but they're available on order only. So okay. the only machine that we have on hand is the strike seven. Um, uh, and just to be honest, it's just the economics of the market. Uh, it's just we can't afford to just have stuff sitting on the shelf um, that you know that's that's not really you know super popular. Um, so we we keep what's around that's selling. Um, well, the most popular so, the most popular size model that's out there is probably a seven hundred. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the 550 size I, class, I think, is still pretty popular, too. The whole, you know, you can fly it on half your batteries for your 700. You know, if you're doing a 6S setup, that's, from a marketing standpoint, that's always been the push. I, I mean, it just, for, for Soxus, it, it has, over here, it hasn't been very popular. It's a great flying machine. It's a little heavy by today's standards, the, the 550 is. It's got a good feel. Those are the guys, the guys that have them like them. The team guys really like them. The, the European, Jan and Raquel, they'll, they'll both tell you that they really enjoy flying their 550s. But uh, it, it didn't catch on here. But we can, we can get one. Lead time is typically a week to two weeks max uh, to, uh, to get one. In, to get one. So from a helicopter standpoint, it's, it's primarily the strike. Uh, we keep all of the parts available for all of the helicopters. So, uh, you know, we have parts for the 550, the 600, the 700, the 800, the DB7, and the Strike. We Parts are always kept on hand. Well, that's awesome. Nice. I may have to try a 550 just for grins. <laughs> yeah. The one to get is the combo. That's that's yeah. the that's that's the one to get. I should know this off the top of my head, but I don't. Um, Are you talking about the retail? Could... Yeah, I see. I think what, the retail uh... on that is eight ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, too. for the for the combo now. So so the combo I mean, would include a... what? Blades, servos, motor, and ESC. Awesome. Add add your FBL system. 
and your batteries and you can go. And if for somebody that wants to, to keep on a budget, you know, three digi FBL system retails for one thirty nine ninety five. So you take that with a five fifty combo and that's getting into this pretty cheap with, with good stuff. So. Now is mm-hmm. is the three digi integrated into the Jetty radio? Yes it is. It's it was actually the first one to be integrated within it, uh, along with the Bavarian Demon Axon. So that's a, if you're flying Jetty, all of the menus are available um, directly via Device Explorer in the Jetty system, all the tuning parameters and stuff. So I guess I, I, I should, we, we should talk a little bit about maybe the Axon, because I think I've left it out. Well, I was going to say only the yeah. Axon would go into this model, right? But you kind of threw yeah. me a left curve whenever you said Jetty. I mean, uh, 3 yeah. digi. Axon is integrated within Jetty, obviously, as is the, uh, the, the fixed wing derivative of it, the Cortex Pro. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, we, we consider the Axon to be the absolute top of the line FBL system. Sound like Kenny. <laughs> You know, these days it seems that everybody is switching to V control. Not everybody. I have friends of mine. I always kid. It's just one by one they get picked off and they're assimilated by the Borg. It seems, and I just I, I hear of another one that's got a V control, and I'm like, oh no, not him too. So nothing against that stuff. I mean, I understand that it's it's good stuff and it works and it's very easy to to set up and and all that. So just a little secret. I flew V-Control for probably two years. But have you not flown? Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> there, there's some I haven't flown. I, I no longer, I have not used a V-Control now in several months. The mm-hmm. only, only thing I use is Jetty and Axon. You still go on to meetings? Meetings. For your not using V-Control? Yeah, <laughs> you have to go to the no, support group. I, I got away from it, and I I don't miss it at all. It's nothing yeah. against V control. I just like the Axon better and the Jetty feel. Are you wearing the patch? Is that what finally made <laughs> you able to go without it? Yeah. So. <laughs> Still so. yeah. yeah, and I had one too, and I just sold it a few months ago, and I'm looking to get a Jetty eventually once I can afford it, but. Well, I think um, I know where there's one for sale. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. There's, Interesting. Okay. There's there a might, gentleman. There might that, be a line. <laughs> there is a gentleman that is here in the Austin area that was flying jetty, and he went V control. Oh. And from what I understand, he's it's going up for sale. Isn't that correct, Richard? Uh, plausibly. Plausibly. <laughs> yeah, because I'm still using a old school DX8 version one. So now oh, I'm poor, poor guy. <laughs> I I am looking forward to the DS16 and its remake. I guess yeah, I, yeah, yeah. 16 DS that would be the Jetty, the DS16 NG. We actually just got our first production sample of that. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's if you've picked up and held a, a DS-16 or even a DS-14, you won't be able to tell any difference at all. It's, it's exactly the same case, pretty much the same gimbal assemblies, 
um, switches, buttons, everything is all the same. The difference is that it has the color screen from the DS12 and the, and the, the DS24 in the same processor, the, basically the same internal boards as the 24 um, and the new 900 NG system uh, adapted into it. So that'll be going, hopefully we hit the FCC test lab maybe next month. Quite possibly could be available for sale in the U.S. maybe springtime if testing goes all well. That's a bit of a crapshoot. We never know how long it's going to take until we get into the lab and and actually see what the data says. So, but. Did, did they ever get the... Uh, oh. I just had a, my brain just talked myself onto a hole. The uh, the R three cert. Uh, well, the, are you're probably referring to the Rex three. Yeah. Um, no, and I it uh, it won't happen. Okay. No. I mean, not not in its current guise. Um, okay. I just I know that was wavering back and forth. It is crazy, stupid, expensive to do the certification. Um, mm -hmm. it's just it's it would be near fifteen thousand dollars to certify oh. that one receiver for sale in the U.S. Oh my and goodness! You, why you why can, so um, much money? It, 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 because that is what this costs. You know, we're you know we're we're America the Great, and we charge for it. So <laughs> wow. Um, it's really quite silly because most of the world runs, you know, on CE or or a certification that will accept CE data as uh, as good. Um, the U.S. and Canada don't. Um, so it's it's its own level of testing, its own limits. It's it's very expensive to go in and do this. Uh, we we pay nearly a thousand dollars a day for lab time um, when we go into these facilities to do our testing for receivers it could be you know twelve to fifteen thousand dollars depending on how many times you fail that's wow. for every single receiver type every design change and the reason that there's a rex seven and a ten and a a twelve available is because those use a common board and we were able to certify them under one FCC ID and spread the cost out. But they also make the Rex 3 and they make a Rex 6 and they were unique designs and it would have been the same amount of money over again. And it, it's just not, it's just not feasible. So it would, it would be nice if we could, but I, I, I doubt ZB is. I, I doubt ZB at Esprit is going to to spring for that any anytime soon. So well, and the the Rex Seven, it really isn't that much more than the. No, it's a it's a hand it's like six bucks. Yeah, it, it's a handicap size wise on the smaller helicopters. So you know anything from a you know a five fifty on up. It's not no problem at all. There's plenty of space to mount it. If you're flying small helicopters, then it, then it, it is a it's a big plastic box that you got to find a place to put it someplace. Now, you can you don't have to use a Rex. You can use an R3 RSW, which is pretty small and compact. You can use uh, an R6L, 
which is one of the small shrink-wrapped ones. The challenge becomes if you want telemetry and EX bus control, a serial link out of it at the same time. And that's where those older receivers are limited. The, the older receivers, the R4, the R3, the 6, the 7, the 9, only have one port that either acts as a telemetry input port or the EX bus serial output port. And so if you're communicating EX bus and you want your fly roller system to be integrated into that, like the Bavarian Demon, the Axon, the 3Digi, the Spirit, the, the Brain, and, and so forth, then you can't get that unless you have a Rex receiver, which has multiple ports that can be configured for serial out or telemetry input. So that's, you, you, there are receivers, I don't want to sound like there are no small receivers for small helicopters, there are, but it becomes a challenge to get the integration and telemetry at the same time. That's odd. Um, okay. I, I just was looking at the website, looking at some of the smaller receivers, and I see the EXR3 there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's an E1 yep. with the E2. That's the. That's the Rex. So the Rex, the Rex 3, the Rex R3 has multiple ports. You got E1, E2 that are multi configurable. And then it has an EXT port, which is used as a telemetry input. So it's a very flexible design. The, the Rex series is, uh, but it's not certified, so can't use that one. You can use the seven. Okay. I'm just confused. <laughs> That's fine. Is there a place uh, to get these repaired? Because I, I have probably three of these where I've accidentally cut the antenna with the so something like that. So a spree model is the import distributor and therefore the warranty folks as well. So any problem you have with it, you just you know contact them and they're they're pretty good at taking care of things. Okay. Antenna replacements, they offer a pretty reasonable antenna replacement charge. So you just have to send it back. You purchase the that on their website, you send the receiver in. And, uh, and then you get it back. It's oh, pretty okay. straightforward. So yeah, I wasn't aware that they had a, a add to cart type thing on their website. Yeah. Yeah. If you go on their website and you go to, I think it's find their services menu and then you'll find it there. And there's okay. a jetty, a receiver antenna replacement thing. So it's, it's pretty straightforward. And, you know, they're, they're ZB and a ZB is somewhat, a polarizing figure in the hobby sometimes. There are people that like them, there are people that don't. Um, but they're a good shop and the guys that work for them are, are, are good guys and you know they'll they'll take care of you on any jetty warranty stuff. So good. Any more questions for Danny? I wanted to ask I had talked to you earlier and you had mentioned that you were at the first Urcha. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that, you know, and the first Jamboree in, in, in Daytona, uh, Day, Dayton, I think it was, yeah, Dayton, long time ago, um, and then it moved to another field, I think it was a full-scale airport, small full-scale airport in Ohio someplace, and not too long after that, I kind of got out of the hobby completely, so I, uh, 
you know, I, I, I had a little meltdown slash burnout and, <laughs> and, and left the hobby and came back eight years later. So that happens. Yeah. The next Urcha Jamboree I was at was, was 2008. I was just quite literally just floored at what I saw, um, both in the amount of people there and the kind of flying that was happening. You know, it was like, you A know, night and day change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, Oh my God. You know, <laughs> so, um, I meet it. You know, I remember I immediately went home and it was like learning how to fly all over again, you know, bust my helicopter down there every day trying to learn how to do TikToks and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> That was the first Urcha that I went to was 2008. They were still using 72 megahertz pins yeah, then, if yeah, I remember Yeah, I think right. so, you know, so. It was just starting the 2.4 yeah. a couple of years before that. Can you imagine, Kenny, can you imagine 50 to 100 guys showing up at a model helicopter event today and having to use a transmitter impound? <laughs> yeah. It, people would be mad. I, I, you know, I don't even know how people would do it anymore. I still, I remember I mean, I know for a fact there is fields that I go to right now that still has their transmitter pins up in yeah. place. And there's still gentlemen that are running 72 megahertz. And they'll still grab the uh, clothes hanger that has the channel marker on it, and they go out there and yeah. fly. I mean, can you imagine somebody being told, you know, no, you, you, you can't even switch it on just to just to check your – collective pitch or your cyclic for 10 minutes you got to wait for the pin you know so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is there'd be a lot of models going yeah. down yeah i can't tell you how how many times i drove to the field and got to the field and realized i left the radio on the whole time and got to the field and was like hope nobody just crashed <laughs> <laughs> just as i drive up oh, that's crazy yeah. Well, Danny, what kind of flying flying style would you say you fall into? Um, I am probably you know a, a class B for Borg flyer. <laughs> you know? So you know my my background. I competed in you know AMA you know type competition F three C for for many years in my first helicopter hobby phase. And so I, I gravitate more to the, you know, precision hovering, big air flying. Um, I, uh, I cannot 3D, you know, I, at best I can 2.5D. Um, I, I, have, I have terrible hand-eye coordination, terrible reflexes. And up until still been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. Up, up until earlier this year, quite terrible vision, you know, in my later years, um, I recently got cataract surgery and now I have better vision than I've had since before I was in high school. Um, was very much into speed flying helicopters. I participated in, you know, in quite a few Urcha speed cups and other, speed flying competitions. I had some pretty nice. wickedly fast Henslet TDRs in the day. Um, and uh, 
you know, I, I loved that. I loved the speed and adrenaline from that. Um, but, uh, but I don't do 3D, you know, so. <laughs> so interesting story. Last year at Urcha, Danny and I were talking and he asked me if I wanted to fly his Strike 7. And I said, sure, I'd love to. That's when I flew the Strike 7 with the Jetty radio and an Axon flight control unit. Now, the interesting part about all of that is the on the cyclic sticks, your the throttle pitch rudder stick was centered. Oh, yeah, that's that was actually that was the first time I'd ever flown it. I taken just recently built that machine <laughs> and 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 my friend and and fellow Soxus distributed in Australia, uh, Dennis, I think he posts online as like Thunderfighter or, or something like that. You know, Dennis had been flying that way for years. And so he talked me into setting the cyclic, the collective up spring-loaded to center. Man, what a weird thing that was. You know, I'm pretty used to it now. You still do it? Yeah, I still, I still do it. It took, it, it, it took a lot of flights on it for it to start to become natural. And now I like it. So now I have to ask the question because I was, you know, what am I yeah. doing here? It's like, it's like going from uh, thumbs to pinch or pinch to thumbs. It, you know, completely left field. I haven't done this before, yeah. you know, kind of like flying naked yeah. in a way. One of the things Dennis warned me at was don't take your hand off the collective. And I thought, well, I never take my hand off the collective. Like, what, you know, yeah, that's, I'm, I don't have to worry about that. Well, for my first dozen flights on it, helicopter spools up on the ground. It's at zero pitch. Sticks is centered, you know. Right. Push the stick up, come up into a hover. Well, okay, this doesn't feel quite. Well, the dang helicopter, it kept sinking on me. It kept sinking slightly, and I'd have to catch it and push it back up. And it would sink, and I'd have to catch it, push it back up. Um, and what it was is I was, without even knowing it, kind of relaxing. I had this tendency to put the helicopter in a hover, and then I would just relax and relax my grip on the stick, and just let it stick there. Can't do that anymore. And so it was pretty weird, you know. It's It, it was pretty weird. The other thing, I, I don't know, Kenny, if you remember picking this thing up, but just coming, going out in the forward flight and then coming back into a hover and the machine just kind of coasts by. It yes. just glides, I yeah, remember glides that. by because you tend to relax and it's coming back to neutral. It's a, it's a bit weird, but now I'm very used to it and I have a lot of fun with it. So, so how many times have you come down and land, landed the head still pulling down now we'll mm -hmm. call it and then just let go of the stick not even thinking about it um well i mean i do that pretty normally now and it just basically just sits there you know because it's zero pitch so <laughs> it, it's actually it's made by my flying smoother it's made by hovering altitude control on my hovering more precise okay because i have to 
I'm back to flying that stick 100% of the time, whereas I had gotten lazy and I wasn't. Now I have no choice. Even for some of the aerobatic, I think I'd gotten into the habit of hauling butt across the sky and basically relaxing my grip on the left stick until I needed to, you know, deep pitch it, you know, coming off the top of a loop or something like that or doing a roll or something. So, so I think it's, it's helped. It, it's, it's helped fix some bad habits that I'd got myself into. Definitely worth a try. If, if anybody has a radio, thankfully the Jetty radio is very easy to reconfigure from standard, you know, friction to spring um, because of the gimbal design. Other radios, probably not quite so easily. You'd have to dig into it and probably. So how do you do that? There's a little, on the gimbal, there's a little bench semi-microscopic sheet metal part on the gimbal assembly, and you just have to flip that. And what it does is it spreads the, the arms that, that the tension arms that the springs act against. It, when you flip that, it spreads them apart. And now that stick just flops up and down. So you just, you just do that on the left stick. And like I said, it's easy to, it's easy to, to change back if you want. They, they call it their multi-mode gimbals. And they came out with that gimbal design um, two or three years after the original radios were released and they, they've stuck with that. So, Awesome. Uh, I, I can't say that I would ever do that intentionally, at least not yet. I have to wrap my hand or my head around that, but you know, these days I fly primarily fixed wing and I have a different radio. It would be terrible on a fixed wing model um, to have it sprung, sprung loaded to half throttle all the time. Um, what radio do you use for fixed wing? I have a DS24. So, um, well, of course. Yes. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> rolling eyes. Yeah. Yes. I have a, I have a DS24. Oh, yeah, uh, so. real quick. Speaking of DS24, uh, yesterday at the field, Richard saw this as well. He actually saw it before, before I did. And Danny, I'd mentioned this to you yesterday. There was a gentleman out there that had a DC24. Yeah. Trey version. Correct. He had this Cyrus Cirrus Extra 300, had Patty Wagstaff. So I don't know. She was part of the designer of that model. It's very expensive. Had a 200cc uh, DA motor in it mm -hmm. and, you know, top of the line everything. Now, Richard, how much did you say that model cost? Or you, you thought? You thought? I thought it's lock, stock, and barrel would be ten thousand dollars. Yeah, that would 20 be twenty grand. Yeah, twenty grand. Yeah, twenty grand is what he has in that model. Yeah, I, I was going to say that if it's a, if it is a pro-built uh, iMac competition airplane, it'd be well north of ten k. I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, if somebody had all of the top of the line stuff in it, and if it was pro-built. He did have Spectrum servos. <laughs> well, nobody's nobody's perfect, but um, uh, yeah, I could I could see that. You know, I mean, here here's what was interesting about that, uh, and I can only assume that this is pro built. I mean, he had two fuel tanks on it, a smoke tank on it. the co The control system on it 
Danny was different from what I've seen. There was no servos on the wings. Oh, uh, so then it was uh, it was the new CARF SC330. It was all composite plane. Definitely in that north of 10,000 range. <laughs> That's a pretty cool design. All of the servos mount internal in the fuselage. Yes. And yes. Uh, operate through torque modes. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a pretty unique, very very cool airplane. So you were the you, you've helped him with setting up his Cortex Pros. Yeah. This same guy. Because mm -hmm. he knew exactly who you were. Anyway, what was what was kind of funny yesterday, he's running this thing up. That model has never left the ground. The only thing he's done is is taxied it back and forth on the runway. He's picked <laughs> up the tail with a little bit of speed, but he's doing everything in stages because I'm assuming the cost of this thing. And so he's on the on the line fixing a taxi out. And one of the gentlemen that's a member out there was helping him and he was standing in front of the the uh, elevator just to hold the model as he spooled, as he spun it up yep. spun the motor up and <laughs> this guy went full throttle at one point and the gentleman's name is is Joe he started it, the model was pulling him and so he almost lost his balance and you know I don't know what would have gone south if that would have happened but it was definitely pulling his legs over because there was just so much power. Yeah. Well, that's a 200, that's a 200 CC engine. <laughs> so I yes. mean, there's a bit of horsepower there, a bit of thrust, you know? Yeah. Anyways, I just thought that was interesting, but yeah, 20 K is what he told me he had in that model. Yeah. I, I can believe that, especially if he had somebody build it for him. So I could, I could do that. So, and he had Rex threes and and R threes in the system. Uh, he had a he had an R three switch. He said was to turn. He it had on. a Rex three at there too. The there was a receiver at the very top, and when I looked at that, that's the Rex three. He had a lot of a lot of stuff. Possible the Rex three is not certified and can't be sold by us or Esprit in the U.S. or Canada. But that doesn't mean that you can't place an order with one of the European web shops and they'll, they'll happily send it over here. So it's possible. Does that make those. it illegal? You know, that's a, that's a good question. So the FA, FA, FCC has been, they've changed things a bit over the past few years. It's an individual buying something, bringing it in for your own use. It's very doubtful. It's going to, become any kind of an issue certainly if you were if you were bringing them in for sale that would be a problem so best not to do that but, but i i know individuals i know plenty of helicopter guys who have bought rex threes for their helicopters and they use them and the sky i've got a couple myself the sky is the sky is not going to fall and the men in black suits aren't going to come knock on your door and <laughs> it's you know so <laughs> Sun will rise the next morning. So, all right, we need to get into weeks because it's going to get long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, guys, if you if if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump, wrap this up. Yeah, I'm gonna jump ship on you <laughs> and stuff. It's been fun. Okay, 
love to do it again if you guys want to hear an old man ramble more. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. I turned 60 this year. So I, I, means officially, you're a young man. I officially think I'm an old man now. So <laughs> I can, you know, I can, I can sound like my grandfather. I'm 60 years old and you're not going to tell me anything <laughs> different. So anyway, it's, it's been fun and great, great chatting with you guys. No problem. Well, anytime. Danny, next yes. time, next time you get on, if, or if there's some news about Soxos that you want to uh, share or maybe even talk about the jetty line or the Axon line or how all that works. Yeah. 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 And Kenny, we, you know, Banny and I talked, we're going to get you a, a few sets of blades out for your event. Um, the Apache Pass. Awesome. So we're going to do that. And we've got some gift certificates for some axons for that as well, all through Aeropanda. Are y'all going to do, I know Kenny had talked about this. Are y'all going to do the, the trial basis? Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll send one of each size blade is the plan. Yeah. If people want to give them a try, we welcome the feedback. I hope you guys have a really awesome event. Well, you should fly out to it. I think you have an airplane, actually. <laughs> yeah, one of these days it'll be back together, too. So <laughs> uh, hopefully another couple of weeks and I'll actually have a flyable airplane again. So, but, uh, sounds yeah, good. And I, I wanted to say thank you real quick, too, for being one of the sponsors at the Southwest Heli Rodeo. I saw that. Mm -hmm. Really good friends with Greg. So from up in Phoenix, it's going to be down here in Tucson. So it'll be nice. Cool, cool. Oh. One of these days, I'll get out to these events. I mean, you know, it, it, it sucks because Manny and I had plans to do quite a lot of traveling this year, going to some of the events that we just haven't been able to get to. And then the dumb virus thing happens. And, yeah. You know, so, yeah. I mean, it, but I, I hope all of you folks' events are, are just as awesome as they can be. And, and uh, we'll, we'll get out to them someday. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, a yes. big thanks to you and a big thanks to Manny as well. Uh, I know he's not on the show. Maybe we can get him on the show at some point. I know that he is a big part of this as well, and, and we really appreciate All what right. you guys Take do. it easy. Later. Have a good one, Danny. Thank you for coming Thank on. Thank you. Bye. So I didn't want to stop him real quick, but if you guys need to get in touch with him on the Aeropanda website, there is a telephone number. And then if you need to contact him in the bottom right corner, there's a contact us page where you can fill out a little disclaimer so forth and so on. Very cool. Carrie's Carrie made it into the room. So yeah. It's, it's cool to, if he can unmute, <laughs> there he goes. Yeah. I told him don't interrupt us. <laughs> let you in only for $5. <laughs> yeah. That was really good to, to have him on he definitely yeah is a a load of stories to have to be had and heard yeah there's definitely a lot of things i learned too about the soxos and and everything so it was very cool yeah definitely some, some more questions i wanted to, to shoot to him but maybe next time yeah yeah definitely have him on again that's for sure so we'll go over weeks real quick um i just been doing some 470l tuning for a buddy's helicopter that i've have and i've been i pretty much re-kitted it not crash re-kitted it but just swapped a bunch of stuff out and got that completed the other week and then 
some reason I lost my roll of double-sided clear tape, so I had to wait till to today I went and got a new roll of clear gorilla tape. Got got that all finished up. So hopefully tomorrow I get to go test it and see if we can get get the machine flying up to what it's supposed to. Also got my HRB packs in. I did sell the 100C Success 5000s, and I ended up getting two of the HRB 50C Success 5000s. So those are in. New. How much were those? I think they were 130 bucks for the set. Yeah, on Amazon. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get a set too. And they came in. They they were all 3.85, exactly what they're supposed to be. Got the Amos 150s soldered to them. I just need to go out and test them on the 7.2. Nice. The 550 logo is going together. It's a slow process, but um, today I ended up putting some JB Weld inside the side frames to reinforce the landing skid area that no, that likes to break. So instead of waiting till it breaks and gluing it, I decided to cut up some fiberglass real, real fine and then JB Weld and mix all that together and shove it in the hole and see if that'll help in the long run. But besides that, that's been it. Sounds good. Y'all can play rock, paper, scissors, I guess. <laughs> so you brought some stuff out to us yesterday, Richard. Oh, the, uh, uh. yeah. So we had a buddy of ours, Bob ended up locating some of the magnetic canopy mounts for the Protos 380. And he, Ordered those from XL Power, uh, their official website. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's the XL Power over in China or wherever it is. I, yeah, Asia, Asia somewhere. And he got those shipped in, and I printed some of the custom 380 Protos canopy mounts. So, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. Those look pretty good. Yeah, it's smashing plastic together. I'm not perfect at it, but as long as it works for what it is, that's all. All I pretty much care about. So next weekend, um, speaking of the 380, hopefully we can get those first blades out and try them on that. See how it works. Yeah, I definitely like the look of those blades. The price of those blades is really good also. Um, mm -hmm. um, what are they real quick? $39 retail. Yeah, so the just to go through them real quick, the 380s are $39, the 550s are $69, the 600s are $79, the 690s are $98, and the 710s are 105 And they're actually good-looking blades. They have white tips on them. They're, they look like they'll be a good flying blade. I definitely want to get some flights on them when we have the event. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll try them out next week, and I I don't guess you're going to be out next weekend, are you? Probably not. <laughs> I have to start saving yeah. vacation for the event. <laughs> Definitely low on the stuff, but awesome. I guess go into what you've been doing, Kenny, and then we'll hit Brent and let Carrie uh, brag at at the end. I don't want to listen to Carrie brag. <laughs> you had no choice. <laughs> I haven't been doing much, just work and stuff. Flew last weekend, flew uh, this weekend. 
a total of one flight today, not today, yesterday. I was up most of the night, the night before, and I was just exhausted. Sounds like you're still exhausted. Uh, it's, it's, I don't have a bad tooth. It's a root canal. It's just infected. The gum is, I guess. Anyway, I'm on antibiotics. Hopefully that gets better soon. See if I can get into the dentist tomorrow. They were closed on Friday when I tried to get in. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, now this really haven't done a whole lot in the hobby. Ordered some blades. Look forward to getting those out and trying those out. Other than that, it it's been fairly quiet. I mean, we flew. We actually flew on Labor Day Monday, and that was an all-day event. Uh, we had quite a lot of fun. Richard was supposed to go out there to that event. I hear, Not I event, heard but somebody said something and forgot he said something. Yeah, I, I invited and he said, oh, yeah, I want to go. And then where's Richard? <laughs> <laughs> so I called him up on my way home and he goes, well, if somebody would have invited me. <laughs> wait a minute. I did invite you. Yeah, my, I think my sleep schedule started sleep talking and texting or something i don't know oh i did i did do something i've been on this mission and this is going to sound stupid i've uh, been on this mission be with time. with cell phones and with uh signal here at my house uh I, I don't have very good signal i'm kind of rural and so the i don't have very good signal and and sprint sucks out here just simply put but it's cheap at the end of the day, it's really inexpensive. And I know T-Mobile, Sprint, yada, 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 they've all merged and everything. But T-Mobile introduced, they really, they they started up that low band 5G internet here. And so I just decided, you know, I'm just going to bite the bullet. I've always bought a cheap phone. Not always, but I'm, I look for phones that have been on a uh, pre-owned basis. Uh, I'm just, I didn't want to spend the money. And I decided to buy a phone this time that would work on the T-Mobile uh, low band 5G, something that's not as expensive as a Note or an S20. Still fairly pricey, you know, it's still 700 or $699. But is that a strike seven? That is a strike seven, seriously. <laughs> it is. But I went from having like 0.5 to 1.5 down to anywhere from 50 to 90 megabits per second down and anywhere from 10 to 20 megabits per second up. This thing is blazing fast. Almost as fast as my plugged-in computer. It, it's faster than my plug-in computer that I pay for for wife uh, from cable. Nice. I, I was just floored how much different it is, and um, it's called technology. <laughs> well, maybe taste the rainbow. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've had some old phones, uh, admittedly, you know, and uh, anyway, it's just <laughs> the flip phones. 
Well, no, no, I'm, I'm more up to date than that. I've always been that kind of, I've always been a person that liked the techie kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I just didn't know. I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. I hear you. Actually, probably the radios, buying radios, all those radios that I bought over the last few years has kind of broke me of that. I always say that. I, I always keep telling her, you know, I really <laughs> want it, but I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> well, it's, you know, my DS12, I, was, I still have it. Anyway, yes, I, this time I paid for it, and I'm glad I did. The, the phone works very well. I, I'm just floored at how fast it is. Anyway, that's my exciting news. <laughs> I live a dull life. Yeah, I'll go. Real. Oh, go ahead. Are you done, Kenny? Oh, I was just going to say, I go back to work tomorrow. Woohoo! Oh, yay. <laughs> yay, yay. Exciting. So for me, I haven't flown since the last show. Just haven't felt like going out. So I'm kind of getting back into it probably this Saturday. I'll be going back out. Um, nothing much new on my end. I decided not to sell the Soxos before, even before Danny was on the show. My my buddy, my flying buddy, put it pretty well. Uh, he said that I'm so used to flying like Pintos that now <laughs> I have a Ferrari. It's like I want to get rid of it. And he's he's right because I'm flying two. My other two helis I'm looking at them right now are my beaters. So it's like it's one of those things that, you know, I don't want to crash it and I'm scared of it. But I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be completely scared to crash it it's not like you can't no. get parts for it you, you can exactly and the parts I, are pretty reasonable too so yeah, danny has part support yep yep so i i definitely made that choice up through these last two weeks and i'm actually excited bringing it out to the heli rodeo because i know that a lot of people want to see it and and get to see it fly and everything so maybe that will get some more peak some more interest in the brand too so awesome and speaking of my field, there's been a lot of drama still with a group of plankers that we have. And oh. it's really, really, I'm like starting to really consider going um, going up towards Phoenix to fly. Because, I mean, right now I'm only flying maybe two weekends a month. So maybe if I go like every other weekend and I can fly out my, you know, all my batteries multiple times, you know, maybe I could probably get more flights in that way anyway so it's something i'm considering those guys up there are pretty cool anyway and and it's it's a bit of a drive you know it's a couple hours how but, how, how long is the drive uh about two hours each way so like me driving yeah. to my mom's house <laughs> That's about two hours. so yeah i mean it's something that i don't know we'll see I'll, i'm gonna make that decision by the end of the end of the year but um, other than that, nothing much else new on my end. Man, I would go into like, I don't know, uh, what do you call that when somebody starts wigging out? Convulsions. Convulsions. If it <laughs> took me, if I, if I could only fly twice a month. Yeah. Well, if, if our field is like it was the other Saturday, every Saturday, we'd have to do something because I actually went out to the field I normally go to on Saturday and they had some kid training stuff and they had how many people out there, Kenny? 15, 20? Oh, it was, yeah, it was stupid yesterday. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, 
and let, let me back up. It's not stupid because, and I, I shouldn't have said that. It's great that they're take, getting these young kids out there to oh, yeah. learn how to fly. Just don't do it while I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as I drive up and I start seeing that, I'm like, yep. Yeah. I'm just going to leave my stuff in the car. Not not to just, you know, just to be a grump, but it's just, you know, they're they're trying to do something good, trying to get it, kids they are. and stuff, and they're putting mm-hmm. their time and effort, mm-hmm. effort into it. And I don't want to, I don't want to get in the way type of deal. So it's just, yeah. there's so many of them. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. <laughs> like get out of the hobby. <laughs> now you need to, you need to bring your, no, no, I don't want them out of the hobby. <laughs> I, you know, let's, Hey, we no, just uh, need to get them to learn how to fly helicopters. Yeah. No kidding. What, what's up with that? We had the same thing at our field. That's, you know, a lot of kids are, are out there learning to fly, but it's always planes and it's never helicopters. So maybe I should have like got the spark out and let them fly the spark around. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. It's not a bad idea. At least it gets them into like a collective pitch orientation type thing. I don't think the plane guys will like it. They'll probably be mad that I'm twisting their arms into a different, different direction, but maybe not. Had Joe actually yesterday, I heard him talking to, I don't know if it was a parent, uh, but he was talking about the helicopter guys and he actually, you know, said some really nice things. Times change in 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. 20 years ago, it wasn't the case, but. Well, there's a, there's other places in the Austin area that don't necessarily feel that way. Yeah. That's very true, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> so who's next? Anyway, I think it's Carrie's turn. Is he going to make us all jealous? All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to. I'm I'm low on phone signal right now, so if I cut out, I'm sorry. Okay, good so far. <laughs> yeah. I'm driving down the highway, so. Be careful, please. <laughs> oh, yes. Got, a, got my headset on. Oh, so. okay. Shoot, last weekend I went out and flew, and shoot, it, it felt great. It was good to actually get out and actually just fly. I, I think I flew the whiplash more than anything, and just, I just love that gasser. <laughs> it's fun. Nice. This weekend I ended up going to a fun fly in Abilene, Texas, the Abilene Chopper Madness, and that was, that was just awesome getting to see everybody again. Got to see a Soxhole Strike 7. Nice. For the first time. That's, it, it, it's large with the canopy on it. When you pull the canopy off, it's like, looks like a 500 Yeah, model. it is. That's yeah. exactly right. But the the mechanics are just neat looking on it. it, it it's It was fascinating to actually get to see one finally. Nice. Well, you should go over to Aero Panda right now and put your order in. Yep. I would if I hadn't drained my savings account because I bought me a new fifth wheel to live in as well this week. So Awesome. Oh, nice. Look, my, my hand, heli spending's kind of shot right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just put it on a credit card. Hey, no, yeah, that. it'd be, that'd be all right if I had <laughs> any. <I'm kidding. laughs> you enjoy your new house. But, yeah, so... 
yeah, I'm all excited. I, uh, I can't, I can't believe it. I, I bought a new fifth wheel and finally got to go to the first official fly-in for the year. Yeah, I mean that's a so, heck of a week for sure. <laughs> yeah, shoot, there wasn't even much flying going on. There, there's a lot of flying, but most everybody was just gossiping and catching up. Awesome. And it, it was real good atmosphere. Were there any pros there? Uh, not this year. Okay, because there are normally a couple of pros that go to that event. Yeah. Yeah, I know Kyle Dahl's been there. Ben Stork's been there. And uh, Jamie's. We, we didn't have anybody. E- even, uh, is it Ron Thomas at Mikado, the tech support guy? Yeah. I yeah, he, he usually comes every year, too. And it, uh, it, it's like not getting to see him this year. He, he's a pretty cool guy. That's nice. But shoot we only had two crashes and shoot they they were pretty minor and uh, and and that wasn't you correct i i kept all my models in one piece but anybody we know let's see one was frank odell if you know him he, he's a uh, one of the <laughs> I know elders frank very well yeah uh he was flying his spectre 700 his v control touch turned off mid-flight and <laughs> naturally it ouch Kyle drove in and i was shocked the helicopter survived quite well uh, i mean it tore it up but it didn't do as much damage as i sucks. thought it would have oh yeah that's awful yeah that sucks i forget who the second one was but i almost had one with the whiplash the uh, i ended up stripping the crown gear for the tail and it flew fine the entire flight when i landed you could hear it ticking as it was pulling down I'm like, what the heck flipped it over and it was missing two teeth off the crown gear mm-hmm. That's close. and locking mm-hmm. up and everything else so i got a free helicopter i think true that so you know if you bought a soxos you wouldn't have to worry about that yeah <laughs> well shoot i'm gonna have to buy a bigger trailer to hang more ellies in there <laughs> yeah i'll start taking the fifth wheel all over the place. <laughs> I know y'all have seen my wall. There's not yeah. any room for any more helis. No, and we know you're not going to sell any of them. <laughs> Correct. So, but yeah, and I'm currently on the way back from, I just dropped Layla off with my dad and on my way back home. So that's pretty much all I did other than working. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Shoot, no. We'll skip a main topic this week since we're going a, a little deep on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were going to go over what do you watch when people fly, but we might do that next next time around just to think about it. Always enjoy watching people fly, always different people looking at different stuff. So, Oh. Uh, we had a listener email from a guy named Michael Tran. I'll share it with you guys, but he had some feedback for us and emailed me. This guy is actually the guy that bought both of my KDS A7s. So oh. obviously I didn't screw him over. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't completely hate me at this point, but uh, I tried to give him every, every last ounce of everything I had. So. He has it all, so 
that's good. I'm, I'm sure he'll good. he'll give me feedback when he gets it up and flying. But both those machines didn't need that much, and he'll have some spares if he just keeps one as a backup. Yeah, events coming up. I'm gonna start adding an events at the end here. Um, again, at Southwest Heli Rodeo, November 12th through 15th at the TRRC field. And we have the Apache Pass Ice House Fly-In. That is November, as I click through. No, November the 4th through the 8th. Yeah, November 4th through that. We'll have to add that so I can uh, talk and read at the same time. I have a horrible time with that. Would have thought you would have had it memorized. You would think I had listened to it five times doing the edit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good event to go to. There can be a lot of planes, a lot of helicopters. What they're like a multi-GP line or something? Sometimes. Uh, I don't know. Well, there wasn't last year. The we have had in the past, and I don't know if that'll happen this time or not. We'll see. As far as buy and sell, like I said, I've bought. I need to buy a a, a, a Protos 380 canopy, the non-Evo version. Got some 550 stuff coming, and I bought a new car. Not a new car, but a used car. I picked up a 2003 Volkswagen Jetta from a buddy at work. So I'll be using that as my commuter car for now on, just to to keep miles off of my other cars, just to try to save some mileage on the cars that are actually worth something. So we'll see. Nice. Anybody else have any buy and sell that they didn't go over? I've got something I may sell, but I haven't completely made up my mind yet. Ooh, <laughs> intriguing. <laughs> uh, it would be a radio. Mm. I'm not. I'm not buying. <laughs> I like my. I like my jetty. It's old and heavy and slow, but it works. Right, DS14 is a badass radio. Yeah, no doubt. It works. That's all I care about. Awesome. Anybody have anything else hiding? Well, if that's it, Brent can take us out with the other podcasts that we've all listened to. Make sure you guys go check out our Facebook page at uh, Houdini Heli RC Podcast. Want to say thank you to the other podcasts, uh, starting with the Heliheads, Skids, Yard Sale, Gucci, and Fence Post. Freefall RC with Kevin, Steve, Andy, and George. Skids Up with Paul, Frank, and Javier. The BK Podcast with Bert and Kyle, who I saw who are back. Yeah. And they have a new episode out. It was super, super nice to have them back on. Yeah, well, I enjoyed listening to them. Telerotor with Rich, Michael, Robert, and Mike. Inverted Down Under with Ozzy Mozzie and Jeff Smart. RC Element with Todd. And, of course, Bill and YouTube. Go check them out. Nice. And if you guys need to get a hold of me, you can shoot me a message on Facebook at Houdini RC Heli. You should be able to find me. And if you want to email me, why can I never find this email? There we go. The email is Houdini RC Heli at gmail.com. Again, shoot me a message. Um, if they're not super long winded, like Michael's that I'll try to read them on the air, but Michael had a lot of feedback and a lot of good information. So let me know, guys. I appreciate anything you can help me out with to point me in the right direction. And Brent, how can they get a hold of you? 
can contact me on Facebook at Brent Gottlieber or on Heli Freak at Teacher Brent. And last but not least, Kenny. Hi, you can reach me at uh, rcnuts at gmail.com, Kenny Sierra on Facebook, and on as well as uh, Heli Freak. And save the best for last, Carrie. You can reach me on all the forums at Carrie Snyder or email me at Carrie Snyder at yahoo.com. Just Google Carrie Snyder, you'll find them. Pretty much. It's all over the place. Well, I appreciate you guys listening. This is another podcast for the books. 14's done. You guys stay in the box. Be safe. Later. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. See you guys. Da, 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 the end. All right. That was a good episode. It was a good episode. I agree. Yeah.